This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, we take a look at the biggest musical alter egos with Canadian music correspondent Eric Alper. He helps us through the most surprising alter egos in the music industry and why artists create them in the first place. And sometimes that's all we know is the alter ego. Are you okay with free money? Yes. How about porch pirates? No. You can share your thoughts too on Are You Okay With? And Tesla's under fire for allegedly sharing photos and videos of people driving their cars. Chris Pinch, a computer scientist and technology entrepreneur, tells us what happened and why tech companies need to take data privacy and data protection very seriously. If you could have an alter ego and just disappear from the world for a little bit, would you take it? If you could have your alter ego and disappear from the world for a bit and just do nothing but what you love to do, chase an idea, one of those little sparkles of glitter that's in the back of your brain, you're like, you know what I always thought I might like? I want to own a coffee shop. That's what I want to do. I want to drive a bus. That's one for me. That's one of my get old things. Can I make enough money to buy a bus and just drive hockey teams everywhere? That'd be cool. If you could have that alter ego and just go and do it, would you? Now, philosophy says there's nothing stopping you today. So there's, there's no need, right? We don't have to wait for the new year. We don't have to wait for spring. We don't have to put conditions on it. We can go do that. We can save that part for later. Musicians do it more often than we realize that they do it. Some of them do it under the same brand. Post Malone and some of those guys are making hip-hop, then making pop, then making country. They don't care. They just make music. Others, though, they wear wigs, take photos and get things edited and make it not be themselves. There's an artist by the name of Diplo that's been doing that. That's what inspired this conversation, wanted to make us look backwards on artists who have had alter egos that we may or may not have known that it was them. Eric Alper joins us. Uh, Music awesome guy. Eric. (laughs) <laughs> that is such a great beginning. Um, I can't tell you, I'm the opposite. I would be, whenever I think of a, of a city in America, like Jacksonville or Miami, and I think I could, do, I could get there. It's just over the border. I could disappear completely. And how long would I last if I just disappeared and start something new? And then I realized I can't really do that. But then a lot of these artists that we're going to talk about did it even before we knew it you know so many artists like elton john was never elton john elton john is really reginald kenneth dwight and bruno mars is at heart peter gene hernandez the minute that they change their name they develop a persona and alter ego and even bruce springsteen who you know, kept the name Bruce Springsteen, but he doesn't really walk around with a baseball cap in his jeans and a white shirt and and Levi's all the time. He's doing an alias too. But we're going to get into, I think, the real, like, let's change everything about us. (laughs) Everything. Or change everything again, maybe is maybe the best way to say that, right? So I was reading some stuff about the Rolling Stones for Psychedelic Sunday last night, and Mick Jagger, one of his favorite things to do is watch cricket. And so there's a photo of him just sitting in a crowd. It's just, it's not like a box. It's not fancy. He's looks like he's drinking a a pint of stout and he's got his cap on and he's watching cricket, right? That to me is that's the real dude that we don't get to see so much, right? That's not the guy who's uh, strutting on stage doing those things. I mean, I've had uh, monikers on the radio, other names, DJ monikers for DJing, different DJ monikers for different DJ shows right? There's been all kinds of different things that we do. And you're right. It's like a mask. It's like a costume that you put on. I I would even go as far as to say we could get deeply philosophical as we start this, Eric, and say that to me, Halloween, I don't like Halloween. It's never been my day, right? Some people, they love to get dressed up, but I, I look at Halloween this way, giving it the credit of it's the one day a year that we don't wear a costume. Oh, that's that's 364 days of the year. That's, that's excellent. Right. Um, we wear a costume 364 yeah. days of the year, and it's the one day that we express ourselves in the way we truly wish we could be. Yeah, and and I think we're falling more and more into the trap of really not knowing who we are as people and as a community, and sometimes even as a country or as voters. You know, our online persona yeah. 
to some people is much more important um, in terms of popularity, in terms of self-confidence, mm-hmm. um, in terms of the amount of people who we think like us um, and all of that or mm-hmm. the other or way. the other way, the anonymity. Absolutely. The anonymity that we can create this anonymous person online and and say flippant or flagrant things, not even for our benefit, but just to create and watch yeah, it. Yeah, you know, and I think in the case of somebody yeah. like a David Bowie, who who was who really did think of himself as a bisexual alien glam rocker, um, just landed in all of those things, just said yes to everything that came his way, whether it was drugs or alcohol or travel or music or the opposite sex, or in some cases, the same sex. And he became Ziggy Stardust and Aladdin Sane and the Thin mm-hmm. White Duke and all of those personas that somebody like Bowie used in every different album that he created um, was a character. But I think in every character that he created was a little bit of the truth of somebody like David Bowie. I think the problem sometimes becomes you don't get to be David Jones anymore. You don't get to be, you know, in the case right. of Mick Jagger. Yeah. I think, you know, there, he went viral last year. Um, he was, he, there was a photo of him uh, at a bar down the street from the massive 70,000 seat arena that he was playing in. And there was maybe five or six people around him. Nobody had a clue that it was him. I think Mick Jagger, that's the real him. Just a guy who liked to watch cricket. But I think for somebody like Bowie, it's hard to figure out if he even knew who he was in the end of it all. Do you think some of these artists really do get lost like that in it? I mean, it becomes very convenient, right? I mean, when we put on our, we can make that conscious decision every day when we go to work. Who am I going to be today? Am I going to be compassionate? Am I going to be aggressive? Am I, we can actually make that decision. Most of us aren't aware to take the time to be present to that when we, we go into work. I mean, I can tell you this, uh, you'll love your life much more if you are. <laughs> Um, that's for sure. Uh, the, but do you think that we get, we can get really lost in the convenience of it? Because I wrote this thing just last week, which I had no intention of sharing as part of this, but it seems to fit. Uh, I was, I was writing about, um, a person who, um, was trying to be independent. Right. And I was, um, the, the way I wrote it was being fiercely independent is not the same as being fiercely avoidant. Mm. Yes. And I wonder if we avoid, we, we claim we're independent, we claim we're creating these things, but when in fact we're just sort of oh, avoiding yeah, no, the Oh yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And you know, when you go through some of the people who, who created aliases, whether it was Prince um, creating the Camille um, alias, it was a more feminine a musician that he created, not just in his mind, but in his singing voice, it allowed him to use more feminine topics in his songs. Um, somebody like Garth Brooks, who was massive. He sold 70 million copies by the time that he wanted to become Chris Gaines in 1999. And Chris Gaines, yeah, he was Rock an alt rocker. He even did a Saturday Night Live appearance. Um, uh, but the fans were completely unconvinced the album bombed and then garth brooks went to being garth brooks i think that the idea though is that you surround yourself with people who tell you nothing but yeses all day long um it's why i think you and i probably know more people than we can count who end up with drug and alcohol problems um is because they're just surrounded by people who always want the party to continue and never to end and it's hard to get the truth so where do you get to decide when it's okay to leave that life behind when did bowie decide to leave david jones behind because you're right fiercely independent is different than avoidance and in some cases in the case of say eminem who created eminem from his real name um leaving detroit an eight mile behind was probably saved his life so he needed to create that right. independence from the life that he led. And then you can go meta even further by somebody like Eminem creating Slim Shady, which was Slim the Shady, darker. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was the hooligan. hooligan. He was a guy that you did not want to mess with. Um, he was a guy you know, in a dark alleyway that would make fun of you and then beat you up. Um yeah. But and he was also the guy that he would ask his uh, accountants if he could afford to buy a watch. <laughs> he had sold millions and millions and millions of records he was a yeah. multi multi-millionaire but he would still check and see if he right, could afford to do something never so again you, right you never leave that yeah and yeah. that's the guy that he was 
So let's bring this into today because we have uh, Diplo has recently come out. Um, Diplo is Thomas Wesley Pence, and he's been a he's American. He's been a um, he's been a DJ forever. He's he's really quite fantastic and quite talented. But he's coming out with some country stuff too. We're seeing more and more of these people come up with these country alter egos. I would like to acknowledge the throwback of his um, of his costume that he's wearing it's super fantastic he's wearing like old school rhinestone yeah. cowboy look white with a white cowboy hat so he's making um he he's taken some big steps to create something and is it because he's afraid to compromise the diplo brand or is he you know is it just creating some separation is this just marketing I think it's happening all three i you know he's done so much work with other groups called major laser and mad decent and he created not only to show support for those groups that he was in by touring and releasing music, but dressing differently, his hairstyles were different. Um, so I think in that kind of a life, when you when you move so fast between styles of music and name changes and aliases, you can't tag him with something. And sometimes people like that. You know, the fact that that somebody like Diplo can go from the electronic world and then all of a sudden do a duet with Morgan Wallen, who's like the biggest selling country artist of the last 20, 25 years, um, just kind of gives off the impression that maybe he thinks that he's smarter than everybody, that he doesn't want to get tagged with, oh, I'm just a dance DJ. No, I'm more than that. And my record collection shows that, that I can put Morgan Wallen beside Beyonce, beside hip hop, beside Chaka Khan. And sometimes when people are that successful, they see the music industry as a game to be played and to win. Sometimes you got to kind of move around enough to not to get bored with yourself. Because at the end of it all, you guys still look at yourself in the mirror and realize that you're stuck with yourself. Now, do you think it's some, um, I feel like it's a costume. I feel like he goes in to do something with Morgan Wallen and then he's like, oh, you know what? This mm. feels good. I know that happened. Um, Dallas mm. Smith, when he was with Default, uh, you know, he had shared about how he really felt called to country music. Now, Default did amazing things with their first record, and then they had a bunch of actually record label people change and move, and they just basically got kind of shelved because the new people didn't see it the same way as the old people. And so they pushed out the, the Default stuff as long as they could. They kept writing it out, and that one day he called Joey and said, it's yeah. time. It's time for the country record. Let's do it. Joey's, um, he runs, I believe he's still, he's still runs 604 records for yeah. Chad Kruger, right? And um, and so he always had that sort of, sort of growly grunge rock feel to his music. And then all of a sudden he comes out with country and it's like this natural, yeah. just it flows out of him yeah. in a new way, right? He's got a little bad boy rock to him and, and it flows out of him in a way that I didn't ever know when I very first met him. I mean, I when I first met him, it was probably 2000, like it was... It was a long time but right, ago. But, but like, and so you, a guy like that, he seemed, seemed to yeah, it felt right good. right place, right time, right moment too. Um, you know, around that time, yeah. I remember working a couple of country music festivals. Um, one of them was Boots and Hearts um, that was just north of Toronto. And looking around, because I love people watching at festivals, and I'm sure that you're the same way. Um, looking around at the 19 to 25-year-olds, these people did not grow up with hee-haw they grew up with ACDC and Brian Adams and they loved country music. Right. So when Dallas is able to do something like that and say, it's time for a country album, I think he's more well aware than most people at the time that there's not a lot of gap anymore between the country and the rock world. Um, Hank Williams mm -hmm. in the 1950s began recording as an artist called Luke the Drifter. And Luke was the name that he gave himself to make religious songs and Christian-based music because he thought that if the DJs would find out that Hank Williams was making Christian music, it would um, it would just kind of alienate him. But what he should have realized is that there wasn't that much of a difference between the people listening to country music and people that were listening to white gospel and Christian music. But he wanted to separate mm. the two so that in case if you weren't down with, you know, God and Jesus tunes, then you can still love the 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 country music. So country music itself has always had this very strange relationship uh, and great relationship between the other styles of music. Yeah, 
Um, in the case of, and you're uh, so right, like this is why I love this conversation. Um, you know, you got the Ziggy Stardust of the world. Uh, plus you have, you know, like you said, the Bruno Mars. Uh, coming back to Diplo, where this conversation mm. started, you know, um, his name was Thomas Wesley Pence, right? And then this is the first time, though, when Diplo presents Thomas Wesley. This is the first time he's used his name, almost, to create music. And so to me, now, without... Yeah. reading too much into it and assuming everything because I haven't spoken to the guy. But th this to me seems like he's like, okay, now it's time for me to be me. That's exactly, I'm going to do my thing because otherwise you would exactly, use another name, right? And that alone is a marketing, is a marketing tactic to be able to say, look, mm -hmm. if Lady Gaga were to name her next album, um, Stephanie, Stephanie, right? Like, or Giamanta, mm -hmm. or if Drake were to put on his latest album, I am Aubrey Graham. That would be mm -hmm. a call to his fan base to say, this is real. Everything else was just what you ever, whatever you thought it might be, but this is the real me. Um, but then are we just all getting played for that too? Like, is that, is that just a marketing Maybe. employee as well? Like kind of seems to think so. Well, I was Zach on the radio right. for years. Right. And when I came into talk radio and when the ask for me was to share yourself and create this differently, I said, OK, well, then it's time for me to be Shane Hewitt and own that. Right. There's a vulnerability that comes from the fact that Shane yeah. Hewitt is my name. I didn't use my name for so long and I went to different cities. I was given different names and I, I you know, in Sudbury, I was Carter James. And then in Brockville, I was Cartman. And then um, then I was Zach and Z-Man. And then, you know, then that becomes Z and so on and so forth, right? So it, it moves on and it, it morphs yeah, and manipulates over right. the course of time. And and then, but then it was this big grand reset and it's terrifying do, do you to do that. Do you think though that in creating, in, in having your name out there, don't you think that you... Are you as close to the line as you think you are? Or can you still say to yourself, that's still a persona that I have on the radio? Meaning that if um let's say let's say Lizzo next album is called I Am Melissa Jefferson, which is her real name. Um right. yeah. she will always have in her mind that that is still a performer. So do you still get the feeling that even though that you're using your real name? that this is just a guy on the radio, so you can't touch me? Now for me, it's been very clear that this is, um, again, this is the intentional thing. This is where it comes back to. This is where it comes to me to be, um, to be myself. So I, but before I did this, I wrote a piece called, Will You Recognize mm. Me? This is great, yeah. All right, that's exactly what we're going to do. Eric Alper is our guest right now. We're talking about alter egos. And if you want to hear the piece that I wrote before I switched my name to be my real name on the radio, it's called Will You Recognize Me? And we'll get to that next. It's The Shift. This is The Shift Podcast. Eric Alper is our guest. I'm Shane Hewitt. I promised that I would play this Will You Recognize Me piece. We're chatting about alter egos when people change their names, sort of become a new person. And this is how I started with all of that. So we'll get that for you. Cool, Eric? Yeah. And this is what I did before I stepped into being myself. And so this is what matters to me. Will you recognize me when you see me? Will you recognize me when I bump into you on a sidewalk? Will you recognize me when I tell you where I was tonight? Will you recognize me when I cry? Will you recognize me when I'm with my friends and you walk into the room? Will you recognize my words when I share a story and share it again and share it a few months later? Will you recognize the sound of my heart when you rest your head on my chest? Oh, that's completely vulnerable. Will you recognize my laugh when I'm dreaming or when I'm still? Will you recognize me when I call out at night? Will you recognize the look in my eyes when I just can't find the words?
Will you recognize me in Vegas? Or in photos I'm in with my friends? Will you recognize me in the stories that other people tell? Will you recognize me when you borrow my phone? Or when I'm alone? And you call and say hello? Will you recognize me when I drive? Yep, or when I'm frustrated you. with the kids? That's you. Will you recognize me when you walk into the room and I didn't know you were there? Will you recognize how I hold your hand or when I'm quiet and struggling with fear? Will you recognize my smile and my eyes? They have wrinkles now. Will you recognize me, my love, when I see you? Will I recognize me? when I'm with you. That makes me even emotional hearing it. I haven't heard it in a while. Yeah, that's totally you. I mean, I, I know people can't, maybe not be able to see this, um, but yes, just the expressions on your face when, when we were listening to that, it's almost like, yes, that's absolutely you. Yeah. So, but you know me, so Eric knows me from the Zach days from so long ago. And, uh, and then this world today. And so for his, his, um, you know, his perspective is a little different than most, but so if someone goes into creating themselves with intention, which is all that is, I declared it to be, this is what I live into. Yeah. Um, when I'm in a moment where I'm conflicted and somebody makes a comment on the radio, that's flippant, um, vulgar, uh, you know, race baiting, hurtful. And I, I, that's where I go to. That's where I go back to. And these artists are writing lyrics that I wish I could have the creativity to putting words together in ways that I wish I could. So you, I, I can't help but believe that these artists are doing exactly that. Yeah, absolutely. When Beyonce creates somebody like a Sasha Fierce and mm -hmm. her album, I Am Sasha Fierce, she said that this was the more fun side to her. This was the more glamorous, although I don't know how that could be, but like the more outspoken, um, the more sensual. Um, I think that that's really what Beyonce wants to be. Um, and then when she's done with it, she'll make a public announcement that that she killed Sasha fierce and that she's done and let's go back to Beyonce. But I think for most of these artists, it's really their chance to be as vulnerable as can be or also playful. When Shakira um, uh, came up with She-Wolf for one of her albums, mm -hmm. it was a little bit more primitive. It was a little bit more angry. It was a little bit more... Um, it was off the charts sexy too, which was for, yeah. her, for her nature, that was also, um, the video was off the charts sexy and it, it was, that was also new. Right. And so sometimes based on the success or failure of that alias, they can take the best parts of, of that, learn from it, and then use it for the next album or the next video down the road. Um, but yeah, I think there's a little bit of, of these real artists and everything that they do for sure. Yeah. So who else? Uh, let's just name drop a bunch that, that you have there, because I know, Eric, you have a, a, a bunch on your mind. So let's name drop before we're done a bunch of people that maybe we haven't chatted about or or that still come to mind that have brought to these alter egos to us. Jack White is another one for me. I mean, boy, he's reinvented yeah. himself a hundred times. Yeah, for sure. I'm um, Damon Albarn, somebody who that I grew up listening to um, in his band Blur um, in the early 1990s he got so sick of pop music um and having successes that he literally created animated uh characters um well before nfts even was a thing and he created a group called gorillas and he named his character 2d and he was with a couple of illustrators and and basically came up with the idea of fictional animated band called gorillas that topped the charts and had grammy award wins and brit awards and was even almost more successful than blur ever was so you know you end up with somebody like that but then also like somebody like cool keith in the hip-hop world he's created something like 65 different personas every song it seems like he's created his own mini mini novel that's built around it. So he's a guy that just cannot sit still as well. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, since uh, Eric Alper is here with us on The Shift, and we started this conversation because of Diplo, who is a producer who's come up with Thomas Wesley, a country personality, so we want to talk about more. This list goes on and on, 877-399-9898. Who comes to your mind, uh, the, someone that, that changed there? And so we um, let's, let's finish with Diplo, and this is where we're going to play our music for the night here with New Music Monday. His groups and incarnations, um, Diplodocus, Thomas Wesley, Diplo, Major Laser, LSD, that's what's seeing Labyrinth. Boy, oh boy, Labyrinth. Boy, there's a magician. Um, Jack U with Skrillex, Silk yeah. City with Mark Ronson. Uh, the list goes on and on, and now Thomas Wesley is the new one in the country music world as well. So it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch it unfold when you can sit back and just kind of watch what they're creating. Mm. That's neat. Yeah, absolutely. And we get to be kind of involved with all of this too, kind of letting him know what we're digging and what we're not. And uh, I'm sure he's looking at all of us going, well, you know, what do you like? And this may be me, this may not be me. We'll, we'll all have to wait and see. Eric Alper, thank you, brother, as always. Thank you so much, man. We'll talk soon. This is The Shift Podcast. Are you, are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? All right. These are uh, some stories that we like to have some fun with. Some are serious. Some are fun. And you can share your thoughts. 877-399-9898. Ryan, are you ready? Uh, always. Are you okay with? Shared bank accounts. Uh, I've never had one, and honestly, like, I don't really see the point. Like, as long as you're pretty clear with whoever you're sharing the account with on, you know, what's going on, what you're spending the money on, uh, you know, it's your money. It's You keep it separate. In that case, you know, if the bank account ever needs to become um, unseparated then it's i feel like it's less of a hassle but i could also be completely wrong and these could be the best things ever i just don't know because i've never had one joint bank accounts they're um they're well they're super awesome i, I some yeah. people in relationships don't like to um don't like to have joint bank accounts yeah i'm, I'm kind of a fan is it like a trust thing, you know, just kind of like, or transparency? I guess the transparency of like, this is, you can see everything I spend the money on, that kind of thing. Well, I just think that when you are in a relationship and you are working towards the same financial goals, if your relationship is healthy, it shouldn't matter what you spend your money on. You're either in integrity with what you're doing or you're not. And, um, and that's it. So, I mean, you're either hiding something or you're not hiding something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Very true. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, if you go out and you go out for a, a few beers with the fellas and then you spend a little too much, then you go out with the beers for the fellas, you spend a little too much. The question, you know, is always do you adapt? Do you change? Do you make things better? Because you and your partner are working on the same things. Your partner could be making all kinds of sacrifices. And if they don't know, like, this is where fights start. Your partner's making sacrifices. Well, I gave up this and saved $200 this month. You went out and got, you know, shammered with the with the fellas and spent 300. You just unwound all of my hard work and my sacrifices and then it's like, well, pff, I'm going to go get mine if you go get yours. And that's where people start to fight, right? Right. I feel like that's that's and that's why for me shared bank accounts are so important because then you you're able to just be honest and be healthy and talk about all the things. Right. I think that that's just so incredibly important. Now, I, I'm curious for all the shift heads listening that the, you know, what are your thoughts? Shared bank accounts or not? Do you do the joint accounts or not? I guess my notion, I mean, when I was married is we always had a joint account and then our money from our own paychecks went into our own accounts. And then, and then we each had obligations that we pre-agreed to like, Hey, by the way, you're paying for this, you're paying for this, whatever, whatever. And then that's what you did. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Does it work for you? 877-399-9898. Uh, it doesn't bother me at all. You might as well know my finances if you're in my life. I don't care. 
Uh, people ask me about, you know, some of my friends like Chad and Neil and those guys. I'm like, what kind of friends are they? They're like, have my pin number friends. Right. If they ever can needed access, they can go get access. Can you have it? You're going <laughs> to yeah. pay down some of the debt. You're more than welcome. I'll pay down on something, but I bet, you know, you might not, you might not think it's a good investment in the moment, but I'll bring, it'll bring a smile to your face. Oh, it'll bring a smile mm-hmm. to your face. I'm sure. Not mine. All right. Um, a shared bank account actually caused a traffic jam in Oregon this week. Vehicles stopped on a busy Oregon highway so their drivers could get out and collect an estimated $200,000 thrown out of another driver's window. This happened last night on Interstate 5 in Eugene, Oregon, and people who saw the money got out of their cars and scooped up the cash. And today, some people were still combing the sides of that freeway, hoping to find more money, but state police say it's all gone. They were unsuccessful at locating any, so the people that originally stopped on scene did a pretty good job of cleaning cleaning it all up. <laughs> so what was this all about? Police say a 38-year-old man drained his family's shared bank account, then threw the cash on the highway because he wanted to share it with others. Well, guess what? His, his family wants it back. Ooh, so there was some dispute there about... <laughs> sounds like a little family dispute. No kidding. Ooh, that's expensive. Yeah. That's from ABC7, by the way. The man's not charged with any crime. The man told officers he was doing well and wanted to bless others with the gifts of money. The OSP said in statements on KVAL-TV, the officers searched the highway for any leftovers cash but didn't find any. Would you be obligated to take it back? I don't think you would. No, because if he's already said that it's a gift, you wouldn't have to. It's not lost money. He was actively throwing it out the window, and the police aren't pressing charges. That's like, I wonder if it's... Like, we don't know anything really about this guy, but they're not pressing charges. So I wonder if this is, like, a very rich family and, like, maybe the kids and, and all the people were fighting over the money and who gets who. So he just went, mm, well, nobody gets it now. And he filled up a duffel bag of cash and threw it out. This happened in Breaking Bad. This is, like, when Jesse is mm. coming to terms with the fact that his crimes has left him with so much money, and then he just starts handing it to homeless people. Well, that's because he killed I people. I feel like that's this. Yeah. yeah, he did kill people. I don't think this guy killed people. But, I don't know. Uh, you know, no. no. Yeah. Free hmm. money, man. Take it. How long do you not spend money if you find it, though? Uh, do you go okay, to the police had, and drop it off? I had a weird instance of this. I found a wallet with a, a lot of cash inside of it. And I called the, there was a business card inside. And I called and I said, hey man, your wallet's here. Everything's in here, cash, everything. I'm going to leave it at this bar here. And the guy says, I want you to take every single dollar that is in that wallet. Thank you. He just gave me the cash. I'm like, are you serious? Are you sure? He's like, just take it. It was a substantial amount of money. Like I, that was dinner covered for a good month. Hmm. And I wrestled with if like that guy didn't pick up, I still would have left the wallet, but would I have taken some of the cash? And like, that was like the intrusive evil thought. But at the end of the day, I was like, nah, nah, I don't think I could have that guilt on my conscience. I think it would drive me really? crazy. Yeah. I, I couldn't steal it. I didn't have to turn it in. Yeah. There was a guy who paid me a deposit for a dresser on marketplace that I sold. And then he no showed on me. And then I, so I messaged him say, you're coming. He's like, Oh, my engine died in my car and I can't come and da, 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 da. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I said, I'll wait and see if I can sell it or not for the same price. And then, so I sold it for the same, but for five bucks less than he agreed to. And I sent him a message. I'm saying, uh, you know, Hey, I can, what's your email address? I'll send you back your deposit. Now I sold it. He's like, no, nah. he said, don't, I made an agreement really? with you. I didn't come get it. Keep the money. Wow. Well, because I, I had to move. It was when I was moving, and I had to move oh. it. The, the deal was he had to come. I made the deal at that price. If he came and got it at that place from the old place, and I didn't have to move it, have it. He said, you had to move it. You had to take it to your place. You had to find someone else. It was a bunch of extra work. You keep the money. I was going to send him the money anyway, but I was like, nah. Okay. Because it's one of the things, right? Like when somebody gives you something, when they, they offer you something, if you say no out of righteousness or whatever, you actually diminish their generosity yeah right now you have to yeah, hope they're do. clear on on what it is but if, if a friend comes over and says hey let me help you clean your kitchen you're like nah i got it you know your friend's looking for connection they're they're being generous they're offering you something so to, to instantly dismiss it 
is, um, you know, maybe there's a conversation that needs to be had there because it just, it's, um, you know, it's possible that you're, you're, you're actually robbing them of the joy that they like to give. So, mm-hmm. oh man, taking money's hard. <laughs> Spending it's easy. <laughs> well done, millennial. Are you okay with Porch Pirates? No. Jar. No. Oh, which reminds me, I got to check my deliveries because I have two deliveries going to my old house because I didn't delete my old address and it was still set oh, as my my default. Yeah. And uh, and I'm like, oh, so now I got to watch because they're the ones that are coming like from another country, so they don't give you the exact time. And they're like, oh yeah, it'll be between this day and this day. Ugh. So say something funny while I look this up. Porch pirates? I hope their ships sink. They suck. Like it's just it it, it it takes the fun getting a package delivered to your house makes every day like Christmas. It's a dangerous thought, but it's so exciting. Even if it's I ordered a, a comic book the other day and it arrived and I was excited just to have the Amazon delivery guy drop it off. And the porch pirates suck the joy out of that simple thing. And uh, it's it just it's like we're all susceptible to it. Pretty much anybody listening to the show right now could get, you know, raided <laughs> by a porch pirate at any time, which sucks. But that's why I think uh, when I eventually get a house of my own, one of the first things I'm investing in is a is a is like a ring camera is a doorbell camera for that mm. one purpose. Yeah. It's estimated that nearly $800 million worth of stuff gets stolen by porch pirates in Canada. One in four Canadians claim to have been impacted by a porch pirate. One man in Utah may have found a very creative solution to keeping the, the Prius. Very good. Oh, it's very good. <laughs> well, hey, 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 that might not be a typo. Because, well, I mean, it technically is a typo, but a porch pirate could be driving a Prius, which is close to what my typo was. So perhaps. Well, you, then you misspelled Prius because that's also wrong. Yeah, I was trying. I was I was fighting my way to that one, laddie. Straight oh, off yeah, the, uh, I'll walk the plank for that. Right? Sorry. Yeah. All right. That's a typo. There we go. All right. Uh, porch Pirates at Bay. Hit the thing. This is security camera video from Josh Blumenthal. They drive up on the curb. They park here. They get out. He says the different clips show. This is security camera video from Josh Blumenthal. They drive up on the curb, they park here, they get out. He says the different clips show people taking packages off the porch of his property in the Marmalade Hardware District of Salt Lake. They have drivers, they get out, grab it, run. These videos go back years, and Josh says he's keeping a tally. I made 114 packages, so 113 got taken over the weekend, 114's coming up soon. There's nothing of value in these boxes. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I literally empty out the cat box straight into a box. The, the litter, the poop, everything. Just into a box, tape it up, put a label on it, put it out. It's not just cat poop. It's dog poop as well, courtesy of this sweet girl named Duck. Let's just have fun with it. I have to pick it up, put it in a garbage can anyways. Might as well put it in a box and have some fun with it. Josh calls it an art series. It's been happening so long people have become suspicious, but they're still apparently tempted. I've had multiple people, repeats, come and look at the package, they, they weigh it, they look at the label. If it doesn't have a label, they'll put it down. Some have even gotten mad. One guy actually opened it up while I was watching it live. I got a notification on my phone, he opened it up, stuck his hand in it, was like... And I, I speak on the speaker and I said, hey, I'm calling the cops, I'm like, good! I'm gonna tell him you're mailing crap! Like, I'm not mailing it. It's just sitting there. That's pretty funny. You know, if anybody wants to do this to their porch pirates, you come let me know, and I can give you such a pile of dog crap, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, Great Dane supply. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, I, I, I like his method. I'm not going to lie. The fact that he's had, like, over 100 packages stolen over the past couple of years and, like, it just shows how many different people because it's probably not the same person coming back too often, right? So that just means there's so many people that will will just yoink and take it. That's mm-hmm. it. 
That report was from CBS2. Uh, some interesting stats on porch piracy in Canada from finder.ca. 45% of millennials said they would purchase security, package insurance, or both as compared to just 19% of, 19% of boomers. That's because boomers know that, statistically speaking, you'll lose if you buy the insurance. Almost a third of people in Saskatchewan have experienced package theft, 11% points higher than the average of the other provinces, which I find funny because if someone stole your package, you can see them leaving for days. Yeah, it's all the way here. About one in three Canadians, 34%, said they were either worried, 23%, or very worried, 11%, about having their purchases pirated. I do. I do. When the package is there and I'm not home, it's funny because when the package is there and I'm home, I'm like, oh, my package is here. Man, it's been outside for a while. And then, but when I'm not home and the package arrives, I'm like, I got to get home before someone takes my package. Like, my brain is backwards with it. Ah, well. What it's telling me is I buy too much stuff. That's what it's telling me. Don't we all? Are you okay with? Oh, text comes in and says, uh, it's like Christmas when I get my packages delivered. Sometimes I've forgotten what's arriving and I'm like saying, hey, it's like Christmas. What is this? That's true. <laughs> I have a package arriving today. What did I buy? Sweet. Guilty. Are you okay with mascots? That's a typo. Isn't it? No, no, I thought it was two. There's oh, not whatever. that many T's in mascots, buddy. Yeah, whatever. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to fight on that one. Uh, I do enjoy a good mascot. You know, I saw a poll, actually, uh, mm. across the NHL fan base, and Harvey the Hound, the original NHL mascot, the first one, was voted as the worst in the league, which I don't really? understand at all. It's a great mascot. He's got the googly eyes. He's got the tongue, mm-hmm. which is, you know, out there. It's funny. I, I, you know, it's uh, it's good. And when I was in Ottawa and I watched the Sens play, Lionel, I think that's his name, the lion, he, like, walked right by me and, like, was dancing. And, like, even, like, I, what I love about mascots is, like, you know, the kids lose their minds and are excited, but so are the drunk adults and will have fun. And, you know, it's the true rallying cry of a fan base. It's just a mm. guy in a costume. I don't know if it's a guy. Sexist. A person um, in the costume. My bad. Ha, uh, I like Harvey's all right. I mean, I don't understand the flames and the dog thing, right? Like, some of them don't make sense. True. I think Vancouver nails it with the orca. Of it's course. Great. Yep. Right? That yep. makes sense Very to good. me. Uh, I just, I feel like, I, I feel like that sometimes the, the animal doesn't line up with the team. That would be weird, right? Very They're weird. just trying to make the kids happy. That's all. They're just trying to make the kids cry mascots can really rally a team together like harvey he beats on a drum with a uh a, a bone which is cool a little rawhide bone big rawhide bone actually so show your mascot some respect it's hot in there fans enjoying colorado rockies game had to watch their beloved mascot dinger get dinged by a fan it was near the end of monday's rockies cardinals game dinger literally just came over and high-fived uh, me. April DeLeon was at the game with her boyfriend. During the seventh inning stretch, they were watching Dinger, the Rockies' longtime popular mascot, dancing on top of the Rockies' dugout. When Dinger turned around to wiggle his plump purple tail, a man jumped up and tackled Dinger to the ground, and April captured it all on her cell phone. Shocking, um, disgusting, and I was feeling all sorts of emotions, and it was so bizarre and just so out of literally like i want to say left field but i mean it was right in front of my face (laughs) dinger's handler quickly intervened and the suspect briefly went back to his seat he just seemed like he was like inebriated i mean he was wasted nice yeah (laughs) the left field joke is very good give you credit for that because it was a ball game that's from nine news Kenneth Sonley, 45, was identified as the man who went after Dinger, and he was cited for assault and disturbing the peace, and he turned himself in. Ooh, you must have really felt bad. There was uh, some, I don't, there weren't really wanted posters, but there were pictures of his face all over social media. And so, yeah, he, uh, 
and they were not flattering pictures. You could tell that guy had, well, I mean, it's called Coors Field. He probably had a couple of Coors banquets and was not feeling too, uh, too, uh, too good there because wow. he tackles Dinger. Like, he bodies Dinger, Ooh. the poor guy, which is a good mascot, by the way. All right. There you go. That is the uh, Are You Okay with Stories for today. Thanks for coming to Storytime. Appreciate it. This is the Shift Podcast. Do you remember the days when getting a nanny cam or a baby monitor was an invasion of privacy? Having a camera in your living room to watch the babysitter and make sure that she didn't sneak over her boyfriend or he didn't sneak over his girlfriend or whatever. That was invasion of privacy back in the day for most of us when it came to technology anyway. Before that, I mean, it was pretty much a peeping Tom. And um, here we are today with technology and cameras everywhere. I tried uh, voice commands on my iPhone recently. I wanted when I drive and where my phone sits on my mount on my windshield, it usually can get my face ID if it ever turns off and I have to, you know, change the song or whatever. But I have it mounted in a thing so I can follow the rules and do the one touch use of the device, not holding it. Well, every now and then it doesn't get my face ID, so I'd use the voice command to tell it to open and unlock itself. Cool, right? It was really cool until I would be in the middle of writing a text with somebody and someone would walk up behind me and be like, hey man, where are we going next? And that just all of a sudden gets inserted into the next text message because it's always listening. How much is too much? Well, I turned off the voice commands because it was too much for me. And it's been too much for a guy from California in his Tesla, which I'm not surprised. This is where we bring in Chris Peach. Uh, Chris joins us here to talk about AI cameras and enablement software, uh, things that just kind of happen. Smarter AI is the group. It's founder of the company. Um, hey, Chris. Hi, Shane. Thanks for having me. Okay. Uh, the article was quite simple. Someone found out that the cameras in his Tesla were recording him. So much so that uh, the accusation and assertion is, is that Tesla staff were passing around funny videos of people in the office saying, oh, look what this guy did. And I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, you know, sometimes a car was the only personal time you got with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever. Um, so the uh, this has been... a written as an invasion of privacy i'm gonna go and add to that chris and say this is next level if if what was written is true i i, I would agree with you shane okay cars watching us chris tell me about this i mean cars are supposed to be smart and everyone's like i get free internet in my tesla mm -hmm. well you don't actually you tesla's using that free internet to take back all this data you give it by the way you can look at netflix when you're parked right so we should, probably should have caught on to this one from the beginning. How much is this peaking on us, this kind of stuff? Uh, so Teslas, um, Teslas are equipped with anywhere between uh, 10 and 20 cameras, uh, depending on which model you're talking about. Hmm. Um, primarily, these cameras are used uh, to navigate the car. So like most people will be familiar with Tesla's full self-driving uh, product or service. Uh, mm -hmm. I think there in the United States, there are something like uh, three or 400,000 vehicles on the road that are, that are using this feature today. Wow. And uh, depending on um, which uh, model year of Tesla we're talking about, uh, those vehicles are navigated either exclusively based on uh, data from those cameras um, or primarily uh, from uh, data from those cameras, so that's hmm. that's the that's the purpose um, of, of putting all these cameras in the Teslas, and um, it's, it's. I'm guessing over time they're not putting in less cameras, <laughs> right? Oh, you're like... quite right. There's more. There's more cameras over time, and uh, and uh, you know, make, making greater use. You know, making greater use of those cameras over time, hmm. and uh, scary stuff. No, but personally, I've been I've been using the uh, the Tesla full self driving for about uh, four months now, mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, generally speaking, I find it, I find it uh, uh, very convenient and very helpful and uh, works uh, surprisingly well. Um, well, you're and, still here, so I'm, clearly exactly, it's working I'm well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, re the, the reason, uh, you know, there's a good reason for Tesla to collect all of this data from those vehicle cameras, which is uh, to train the uh, neural network models or machine learning models that are used for navigating all these Tesla cars. So hmm. that part of the story is absolutely uh, as it should be. Uh, where things start to go off the rails a little bit is uh, when uh, you know those videos are being taken um, and used, uh, you know, probably outside of Tesla's um, you know te Tesla's own uh, IT infrastructure and used for purposes other than uh, you know tra training those uh, navigation models. Now your. Uh very delicately and gracefully dancing around any sort of accusations. I do not have to uh, be so gentle. These videos should never have become office memes, really, is what I'm going to say, because that's what the accusation is, yeah. is that that these videos have become jokes inside the office because people do things in their cars that they have an expectation of at least somewhat privacy for. Now, not only are you a computer scientist and an overall nerd, but you own a Tesla. So this one kind of hits you twice because you've done an awful lot of work around um, really progressive technology just in your career. So this does this one hit you different? Um, well, so first of all, I, I, uh, I am being a little bit delicate because uh, at least as far as I'm aware, the, the these reports have not been confirmed. So that's true. Um, you know, everything that uh, everything that we're talking about here is, you know, based on the uh, you know, based on the assumption that that what's been reported is true, mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, but yeah, this uh, this does hit me a little bit different. I think that uh, um, you know, when when a when a well funded uh, company is uh, you know collecting more data about um, our cars that has ever been collected in in the history of the industry. I think that comes with a, a sort of an equally important responsibility to safeguard that data. And on the one hand, uh, me and every other customer, um, you know, have consented to Tesla's, um, you know, collection and use of this data for the purposes of uh, supporting and improving the product. Uh, but on the other hand, um, you know, obviously not for, uh, you know, sharing our, our personal videos with with colleagues and uh, and friends uh, for their amusement. So if, now, if these reports are true, then if the reports are true, if the reports but we are also true. we also had accusations of shopping malls using face ID to track people, which was an innocent notion because it was simply just who's coming in, who's going out, where are they going? Um, you know, those things have been widely reported and corrected, worth noting. I mean, I don't want to throw anybody under any bus who's trying to do the right things. I mean, Bluetooth tracking has been everywhere to find out where we go when we repeat, you know, visit and all those things. I mean, so are these things, these things are going on. And is this a professionalism problem, though? Is it an industry professionalism problem? Or is it just... You know, I, I don't know. I kind of get this thing where it's almost like a, an entitlement righteous issue that it maybe is not even such a big deal leads me to believe why does just everybody seem, if it's possible, why would anybody have access to this data? Uh, well, there are certainly uh, legitimate reasons, whether you're talking about Teslas or shopping malls or um, I don't know if you've been in an airport lately, but there's a lot of face recognition going on in uh, in airports around the world these days. So, you know, there's a lot of good reasons um, for, for uh, companies and other organizations to collect and process uh, this kind of personal data, this kind of, um, in the case of uh, face recognition, biometric data. So absolutely good reasons for doing it. Um, you know, m m my take on, on the shortcomings that have been reported um, in this instance with Tesla and reported in in many other instances uh, before and, and in the future, um, is that for the most part, there's no um, there's no sort of bad intent or willful um, 
you know, willful disregard um, uh, of the need to protect uh, personal data. Uh, my, my take is that uh, whether it's Tesla or anybody else, um, you know, these companies and the people that work for these companies are under pressure, uh, you know, to deliver the next version, deliver the next feature, deliver the next upgrade. And, and um, you know, with that pressure, uh, you know, sometimes comes with uh, with cutting corners. You know, we'll deal with the we'll deal with the you know the data protections next quarter. We'll deal we'll deal with the data protections. You know, next release. This release, we have to get out a you know a bug fix or a feature improvement or whatever it is. Um, right. So I don't I don't you know I don't have any uh, personal knowledge about uh, you know this instance at Tesla, but in general, when I see reports like this. Yeah, that's that's my reaction. Well, I, I look at it this way, and in case this is hypotheticals, but it does get flagged and it does make us go, wait a second. And if you're in your car and if those cameras are recording to go somewhere, we shouldn't be surprised, right? I mean, that's where Tesla's value comes from. It's, you know, while it is battery technology for the most part, it's the amount of behavioral, you know, data that it's recording. It's a, and, it's a smart car. It's, it's a smart car. It's, a smart it's, car. it's tracking and learning and tracking and learning. That's what it's doing. And so it's kind of like being on Facebook, right? Like Facebook is not the product. You are the product. And when you, when you look at these things though, this is, this is kind of where I go. I mean, there is an expectation of privacy there, but Chris, okay. So you have some potentially hypothetically some hooligan behavior inside the office. Yep. Silly people doing silly things. Yep. People will always do silly things. And if this is, if anybody believes this is a one-off scenario where someone hasn't taken work footage from, you know, their retail grocery store and watched the guy slip and fall in aisle four, look, it happens. We're humans. Mm -hmm. But if someone breaks in and all of this stuff is just kind of sitting there mm -hmm. and someone actually gets into that network and gets that stuff, yep. this is potentially again, hypothetically, a mass scale level access to very personal information if you're making out in the back seat. Yeah, making out in the back seat, um, Getting you know, changed. Being, you know co correlating, uh, you know, correlating the, uh, the location data to, you know, to your personal identity. So, you know, where, you know, where do you live? Where, you know, where do you, Oof. that sort of thing. Uh, I didn't even so, think of that. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, um, you know, Tesla, uh, you know, Tesla's, I think Tesla would probably agree that their greatest competitive advantage relative to the other automakers today is the uh, uh, the amount and the quality of, of vehicle data that they've collected over the years. And, um, you know, whether you're talking about self-driving cars or any other application of artificial intelligence, um, the, the, the algorithms are only as good as the underlying data sets. So in other words, it's having these large amounts of um, camera data and vehicle data, which enable Tesla, um, uh, you, you know, to uh, uh, to have their full self-driving um, operating at such a high level uh, compared to their competitors today. So, uh, but again, with, classic, uh... you know, with with that, you know, with that, uh, you know, with that awesome amount of uh, of data comes an awesome uh, responsibility to, to protect it. So is this really any different, um, you know, at work, you know, maybe the public returns and dividends and reports have got to go, whether they're quarters or whether they're annuals or whatever it is the business does. And, um, you know, you got to generate, generate, generate. So by the way, we've got 10 people working in the development department and one person working security and which I find surprising in today's world of we're hearing more and more. In fact, Global News has another article about increased Russian penetration attempts for technology and hacking inside Canada that's been traced back. Mm -hmm. And that's not a surprise there. The military people have been saying it forever. The hackers have been saying it forever. And um, now we're starting to see the product of that. I've got a friend who owns a cybersecurity firm. And and so, you know, the I, the inside stories I get from him are mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me to be, I don't know, is it complacent? I mean, why don't these companies take this more seriously? And what can they do to take it more seriously? The insurance policy alone has to be staggering. Yeah, I'm not sure that, uh, I'm not sure that, that, uh, that these companies could get uh, an insurance policy that would cover this kind of... Uh, 
uh, you know, willful, willful negligence. So there are certainly, <laughs> there are certainly policies um, that will cover, um, you know, inadvertent uh, data breaches, but, but probably not, uh, you know, going so far as to cover, uh, you know, when an employee sort of deliberately uh, takes, you know, takes data outside of the company's system and, mm -hmm. and shares it uh, online with their friends. What can they do? Like, what should they be doing? What they can? I mean, we can take a stand and saying, "Hey, let's all be smarter." Yeah. But what is it that we can do? And um, and what what should these companies be doing? Is it just literally dollars? So, um, yeah, it's it, it, it's dollars and um, it's dollars and priorities. So, uh, th there's two things that they can do. One thing is uh, they can implement software safeguards. So. Um, uh, certainly, um, you know, certain employees need to have access to this, uh, this camera data, um, in order to, uh, uh, you know, process it on behalf of Tesla, but, you know, th there, it should be, it, it should be somewhere between difficult and impossible for an employee to take that data outside of Tesla's right. IT infrastructure and share it on whatever social network it was shared on. So uh, the, the first thing would be software safeguards. And then the second thing would be uh, limiting access um, to, the, to the data on sort of a need-to-know basis. Um, I, I don't think we know exactly what went on here with Tesla, but um, in general, um, unless unless somebody has a, a strong need to have access to the data, they shouldn't have access to it. Mm -hmm. We sort of heard this about Twitter. Now, I'm not saying that Twitter's up to the same things or is or has been that this allegation is, mm -hmm. but we did when, you know, is it a staff member that flipped the switch and turned it off or sure. flipped off these accounts or had access to some of the real root of some of that architecture? Mm -hmm. I mean, because to me, that leads me to believe in, I mean, although those companies are related now, they were not related back then. And, and they, is there a pattern here that maybe we're just discovering of, of just ignorance, disobedience, or naivety? Um, you know, to, uh, to me, this is, uh, you know, this is not something that we normally hear about at, you know, the biggest and most mature technology companies. So in other words, we're not, we're not typically hearing these stories coming from places like Apple or Google or Microsoft. Um, and presumably that's because those, you know, those companies have reached a sort of a scale and a level of uh, maturity that they've implemented the kind of software safeguards and limiting access to, to, to data that I described a couple of uh, minutes ago. We typically hear about these stories from what I would describe as emerging stage companies. So companies that probably growing very quickly, uh, trying to run as fast as possible to keep up and just haven't taken the time, um, uh, you, you know, to implement the appropriate safeguards. So I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's, um, you know, I don't think this is something that's unique to, uh, you know, to, to Tesla or Twitter or, uh, you know, the common, uh, common ownership that they have. I think it's something that, um, I, th I think it's something that we see across, um, uh, a, a number of these, uh, sort of growth stage companies. Do you lose sleep at night? Do you look at your Tesla different when you get in there? Do you kind of look around and go, hello, anybody listening? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I think it's, um, yeah, I think I think you know I'm probably as guilty of this as anybody, but uh, I think we have a tendency. You now, when we when we get the Tesla, when we turn on the you know when we click accept to the terms and conditions that tell us that we're being recorded and the videos are going to be sent back, back to Tesla um, and used by Tesla, um, you know, for a little while I'm you know uh, mindful of uh, of that fact, but then um, after time, it's you know it sort of fades from. Uh, fades from my uh, thought processes and maybe I uh, regress to some behavior that should not be shared. On yeah, right. Nose picking, uh, all the things that yeah, go on. All, all that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I will say this. I will say that, uh, you know, in my experience, uh, 
you know, Tesla does has done a very good job of improving the safety um, of their cars and specifically improving the safety uh, of the full self-driving feature based on uh, this camera data. So uh, for anybody out there who's got a Tesla, um, if you look in the in the in the roof of the car, sort of halfway between the the driver and passenger seats, you'll see a tiny uh, pinhole camera that's that's um, you know pointed at the inside of the vehicle. And uh, you know Tesla does a good job to make sure that I'm not texting when I should be paying attention, or you know not not um, uh, you know not doing something else that I that that I shouldn't be doing while you know while the vehicle's in motion. And, uh, okay, so what song are you singing on that? What's that go-to playlist? Because if you've got a Tesla, it probably rips a little bit. So yeah. when Chris gets in his Tesla and he turns up the music and he's probably singing along and he's doing the things that, that somebody at at Tesla is watching and laughing, listening to your singing skills, uh, what's the song or playlist that Chris goes to? Well, lately it's been uh, Oasis. And <laughs> Oh, really? So, yeah. Going back, from, eh? uh, some of the, some uh, concert recordings from the from the mid to late nineties. Um, yeah, places. you're angry at your siblings, or what's going on there? You want to talk about that? Should we get on the couch and <laughs> tear that one down, or what? <laughs> I uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I got uh, I got turned on to it a few months ago. I sort of stumbled across uh, a recording of I don't know Wonderwall or one of their one of their songs, and uh, ended up finding um, on one of the streaming services that I use in my car. I ended up finding a couple of um, uh, concert uh, DVDs or concert CDs, and uh, amazing. It's been some good listening. All right. Well, next time we have Chris on, we will get him to sing some Oasis for us here on the shift, and we'll let it belt it out, or we'll just get the video from Tesla, whichever comes first. Uh, Chris joins us here to chat a little bit about all of these things so we can understand more of what's going on. Those articles have come out. Chris is the founder of Smarter AI, leader in AI cameras and enablement software. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for being here. Thanks again for having me, Shane. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.